You're listening to HR Mavericks, a weekly podcast featuring leading small business HR professionals who share their experiences and insights to help you know how to turn your HR processes and employee experience into a strategic business advantage. Let's get into the show. Welcome to the next episode of HR Mavericks. I'm your host, Garrett Justice, and today I'm joined by Tatiana Cure, who's the founder and head of talent at HTW Talent and also an author of a new book, Hire to Win. Tatiana, how are you doing today? I'm awesome. Thanks for asking and thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you on the show today. I'm excited to dive into this topic and really uh, break down some of what's in your book that just came out. I know we can see it on the shelf there behind you for those <laughs> who are watching the video, which is awesome. So uh, we'd love to understand a little bit more about that. But before we dive in to understand that, tell us a little bit more about your career background and your company, what you do. Sure. So I grew up as a uh, recruiter for a second part of my career. I didn't wake up, you know, I didn't go to college kind of thinking like, okay, I can't wait to be an HR. I can't wait wait to be a uh, a recruiter, which tends to be a theme on your show. I've noticed everyone kind of falls (laughs) into HR and so forth. Uh, So I too kind of fell into uh, recruiting um, and have really loved it um, and have made a career out of it. I started in uh, agency side as an external recruiter and then made my way to become an internal recruiter. And now I'm also the head of talent acquisition and learning for a bank. Uh, And at the same time, I kind of launched this like side gig that that Mm -hmm. you kind of had mentioned, which is HTW Talent or howtowintalent.com. And that side gig was born um, because I noticed almost like two extremes that are available to managers who may not have an internal HR or recruiting partner, right? So they can either hire an external recruiter, which will cost them about 20 to 30% Mm -hmm. of staffing fee, right? Of the first year salary, or uh, there's this other cost of time where they would just need to do everything themselves. And especially when they potentially may not know what they're doing, or this is their first time hiring, that there's an additional cost of like research and preparation and so forth. So I kind of thought about, well, how can I maybe offer something in between where a manager or an entrepreneur doesn't necessarily have the funds to spend on the 20 to 30% fee uh, mm-hmm. is willing to do the work, but may just not may just need like a little bit of support and, uh, and um, guidance do- towards some of those milestones within hiring. And that's how HTW talent was born and providing kind of the tools and resources. And then one of the things I kind of thought about could be the most cost-effective tool to to help those managers or even HR professionals, frankly. Um, I wrote this book of Hire to Win, Manager's Practical Guide for Attracting and Interviewing Top Talent. And that essentially is just like an encyclopedia. You can open up at whatever stage you're at and there's Mm -hmm. a, you know, there's a tool, there's a resource out there and just follow it and, and you'll be fine. You'll be your own best recruiter. I love it. I can definitely see how that could be super valuable. And I want to talk more about that book, but first I just got to say, and the one word that comes to mind as you're talking about your career, working in-house, doing this side gig and writing a book is just like you hustle. It's awesome. It's awesome <laughs> to see when, I don't know when you sleep, if at all, you're maybe you're one of those people that don't sleep. You, you do this instead, but it's awesome to see that. 
Yeah, you know, I, I have to say there's two things that has been really helpful. One, uh, the company that I work for is on East Coast time, but I'm on mm-hmm. Pacific time. So I end up starting work really early, which is 6 a.m. my time. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I have all this other, you know, energy to burn. And, you know, I have I have to say, I love going to bed exhausted where, mm-hmm. you know, I'm like, I, you know, even if I sleep for two hours, like really good sleep, mm-hmm. uh, that's great. Like I'd rather have two, night uh, two hours of really fantastic sleep than eight hours of like "Mm, I still have energy to burn (laughs) and I didn't um so yeah that's good good for you well one of the questions I really like to ask most uh, people you hinted at this kind of in your intro um but what was that tipping point that kind of brought you into this space of this broad world of HR and specifically for you, I think it's that world of like hiring and recruiting. And then what's really kept you in that space for your career. You've had a couple of changes along the way, but generally you're still in that same space. So tell us more about that journey. Yeah. So, uh, and I had mentioned, you know, recruiting is kind of my second uh, career and maybe it's my third, but I went to college for political science. So I uh, was in Capitol Hill as an intern. And after my internship, I got, I got a job, uh, but at the same time I was paying for college uh, out of you know, out of pocket for myself. And uh, to to do that, I was actually working in retail as in, in sales. And so uh, at the same time, I got this offer to go into sales and, uh, and it was a much more lucrative opportunity. And I just was like, you know, look, like I have college bills to pay. So I'm mm-hmm. going to go, go that route, uh, which was great. So that was, I think, political science was probably like my first career, second career sales. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, in sales, I just uh, learned, you know, kind of saw that sales came kind of naturally to me. I didn't have to, I I don't think I had to work as hard as maybe Mm -hmm. some other people when it came to sales. And then um, a friend of mine moved over to this uh, small staffing agency and uh, the, the president of the staffing agency was looking to expand and was looking to hire someone else as a recruiter. And she's like, look, like, I don't know any recruiters, but I know this person who's really good at sales. Why don't you have a conversation with her? Um, and so I got the job. It was in compliance and legal. And mm-hmm. I had you know, no idea what recruiting actually <laughs> meant. And on my first day, I was like, here's a phone, here's a computer, go figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a good salesperson, you know, I went and, and figured it out <laughs> uh, and uh, move, move forward from there. Awesome. And then what's kept you in that space yeah. since then? Yeah, I think especially most recently, what really has kept me is I've realized that uh, when candidates kind of move um, jobs, uh, you know, that, that that time of like job moving is one of the most um, life altering decisions that they can make. But it has become so transactional and it's become so much like, you know, uh, job description, resume, match. Okay, let's go. Right? Mm-hmm. But we forget that that this is actually really emotional time for mm-hmm. the candidate and there's a human component to it. And by the way, like managers also has a, have this like... Uh, you know, really intense pressure to make the right decision because, you know, let's talk about like the cost of a bad hire, the morale and so forth. Right. So, so there's like this, a really emotional concept of hiring that sometimes some recruiters just kind of forget they've like gotten immune to like hiring a hundred, 200, 300 people per year. And and it's just another transaction. So I've tried to, uh, you know, one of the things that I, um, 
uh, that's kept me is to stay and just kind of remind people, especially my team as a manager of, of recruiters, uh, we have this practice every Friday, we just sit and reflect on like, you know, did we treat every candidate how we would have wanted to be treated as a candidate? Did we provide the support to the, um, to the hiring managers that we would have wanted? Like, where yeah. could we do better? What kind of white glove service can we still provide? And it's the small things of like, even sending like a congratulations, like handwritten card, right? Like it's mm-hmm. those things that really make that, that difference there. You know what? I'm so glad you called that out because I think it's so relevant for our audience on this podcast, which is mostly, you know, those small business HR people and managers and leaders. And I think the irony often is, you know, in, in my experience, I've worked at, you know, large fortune 50 companies and then small startups and all the way across the board. And I think that the cost of a bad hire or one where you don't put enough emphasis on the right hire is so much greater in a small organization, even than a large organization. You think about when you're a 10 or 20 person company and you add one more person to that, like they're, they're contributing to, you know, one 20th or so of the culture that's created there. I mean, it's, it's just such a bigger impact that they often have in a smaller business environment. And so it puts more pressure on making sure that in small business, you especially have that hiring process buttoned up. And the irony there is that it's mostly the large companies that have all of that big process and so many people helping there. And so it puts a lot of pressure on those hiring managers in small business and the leaders to make sure that they have something that's robust enough that works for them so they can get the right people in the right roles and really set them up to win, right? That's right. That's exactly it. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to pick your brain on this topic. You know, we kind of mm-hmm. talked about it already is really just these small business hiring tips, things that you have learned working, you know, in-house on the side um, in the past at an agency, and then also through the process of writing this book. So maybe to get us started, tell us a little bit more about what led you to write your book, Hire to Win. Yeah, I mean, uh, those two kind of main uh, reasons what led me to to write that is one is I have this deep passion for wanting to to help entrepreneurs and I often volunteer my time and um, and I'm happy to do that, especially when it's an entrepreneur looking to hire their first hire and, you know, they they just want like any support that that they can get. And I'm definitely willing to do that. But time is finite. Um, And so I thought about you know, what can I do that can stand, you know, instead of me like spending my time with everyone, even though I wish I could, uh, but what could be at least a starting point? What could, what could we do? Right. So that's, that's, I, I started to write this book to, to feed this passion, but then selfishly, the second part, the second reason is I always look for an opportunity to learn something new. And I think as we continue to grow in our careers, those opportunities are a little bit more challenging. We kind of have to think about like, like what, how can I learn? How can I grow? And so um, while still like leveraging some of the, um, the concepts that we, we already know. Uh, so I thought about writing this book as not only, you know, sharing this knowledge that I have, but also learning myself of like, mm-hmm. you know, what does it take to like write a book, to edit a book, to publish a book, like mm-hmm. the, the marketing and PR around it, like all these things. So I selfishly had this uh, this goal of like learning and you know stretching myself. 
That's so good. And if I, if I may, I just want to put just a, a short kind of selfish plug in there too, because this podcast is the HR Mavericks podcast. It's part of our HR Mavericks community, which is, you know, a free community for HR professionals out there. And the goal of it is really about democratizing HR knowledge and best practices. And so, you know, I think most people out there, I think you're probably in the top one or 2% that's that ambitious that says, I want to learn, let's write a book. Most people might not jump that far and props to you for being able to do that. But those who still have that same passion or desire to kind of expand their knowledge, share what they have. I think that's one of the reasons why we started our community HR Mavericks. There's plenty of opportunities to kind of get involved and to share that knowledge and give back and also learn in the process. And that's been one of the most valuable things for many members of the community so far um, that I've talked to is just their ability to dive deeper into a topic, learn more about it and further their career, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. So good. Um, well, thank you for indulging me and letting me put a selfish plug in there for anyone listening. But um, I want to really get into some of these, these tips and to kind of set the stage a little bit more. It's been a really interesting time, especially the last few years when it comes to like the hiring landscape. I mean, everyone's heard about the great resignation and lots of people are changing and moving jobs. So talk to us a little bit more about some of the changes that you've seen in the hiring landscape and how that really impacts, you know, the ability for companies to make the right hire. Yeah. So it's interesting. I, I too, uh, you know, have heard this term of a great resignation, uh, but to me, it's almost like an unfair statement because I'm like, you know, they're, they're not just resigning and like leaving the, the working force completely. Right. So I almost mm-hmm. refer to it as like great reassessment uh, because candidates behaviors have changed and employees expectations have changed. Right. No longer are they um, uh, looking to just get a bigger and big, bigger paycheck. They won't be convinced events on taking another job or staying at their current job solely based on just getting a bigger paycheck. Candidates are also interviewing prospect companies a lot more, a lot more diligently. They're asking a lot more questions, uh, which which means that the hiring teams have to be more prepared, like questions like, you know, one of the most common questions that candidates ask, like, you know, how can I grow my career uh, in this organization? And it used to be like, I, I don't know, you know, tell me if I'm wrong here, but Hmm. the most common answer used to be from managers, like I'm looking for someone to grow and take my job at some point. Right. Like that's not a fair assessment anymore (laughs) because candidates have caught on like, wait a second. I had been with my company for five years. You're still here. You're not going anywhere. However, I still want to grow. Right. So, so, um, so they just need to be the hiring teams are expected to have better answers, more concrete answers uh, to, to those very common questions. Right. So that's mm-hmm. one. Um, another is I think that there's uh, definitely a sense of urgency that is expected at this point from both sides, from the candidate sides and the, the company side. I think, um, uh, you know, I, I, I've definitely seen examples where even in my personal life, my, my uh, partner, you know, took another job from the time that he sent his resume to the time that he actually started. It was six days. Now, another one of our friends was like, that's not really fair because I've been that's not a fair assessment of the real world because I've been in this job market for for three months. Right. Mm-hmm. And I had been interviewing for this company for three months. 
So, however, the expectation of urgency is the same. So what, what I mean by that is my friend who was in the, in the process for three months, his expectation is that at least he gets a response back from the team within 24 to 48 hours, right, of mm-hmm. business hours. So my husband was the same way. He's like, he didn't, he actually said himself, like, look, six days, it was like, it was a whirlwind. Like, I wasn't ready to make it, like, it, it came out mm-hmm. of nowhere, right? But at least, like, it was the same concept of, like, responding about the next step within 24 to 48 hours and the same thing from the company side right like the expectation is once they post a job you know they expect like candidates to to apply to the job within 24 to 48 hours so the the sense of urgency is definitely there from both sides so that's two um and then i think the the last thing i would mention is a really big lean on data at this point mm-hmm. right i think in the past uh both hiring teams they relied very heavily on gut gut feelings like i feel that this is going to be the right decision and the candidates were kind of saying the same thing like i will t- take a leap of faith and take this role on. I feel that it will be the right decision. But now like they, they have like a decision decision mm-hmm. matrix and they like are really thoughtful about how they make decisions. Yeah, that's so interesting. And I really liked all of those, those points that you pulled out. And so, you know, the next question that I have that just kind of naturally flows from that is I'm thinking about a lot of our listeners out there, again, who are small business HR professionals or leaders. So how can they help the hiring managers at their companies become better equipped, better prepared in this current work environment, considering some of those changes that you just talked about. Yeah. So especially with a sense of urgency, what I would say is like, there's a time and place to go fast and there's a time and place to go slow. Sometimes you need to slow down in order to go fast. Right. So what I mean by that um, is in the initial step of like, before you do any hiring, before you do any sort of like posting a job description on any sort of like, uh, uh, you know, job boards and so forth, take the time to actually create a great job description. Like it used to be a time where it was totally expected for a hiring manager to go on LinkedIn or Indeed and, you know, type in accountant and see some some other job descriptions and start borrowing some of those points and create and cobble their, their job description together. But that's that creates a very vague job description. What that means is that you, you know, uh, attract a very high, uh, a really large candidate pool. Right. Mm-hmm. But but you get candidates who have like two years to 20 to 30 to 50 years experience and the compensation is different. So if you actually took the time to create a job description that's very relevant to what you're looking for, the must-haves, what success looks like, compensation and so forth built into it, there's going to be less applicants, but the quality of the time that's spent of looking at those applicants are going to increase, right? So I think um, talent professionals have this opportunity to, um, to just facilitate, you know, this pause and really thoughtful process of like, do the work up front, do the project management up front. uh, And then you can go fast, right? Like if you identify the interview team up front, and you identify the competencies that you want each person to to assess, rather than pulling in like, hey, Garrett, can you interview this person? And what is your interview going to look like? You're going to say, Tatiana, walk me through your resume. What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? Let me tell Mm -hmm. you how awesome we are. Yeah. So what would be different if I just pulled Sam off the street and he's going to, you know, ask the same questions, right? Unless I actually say, Garrett, I actually want you to assess their Excel skills and Mm -hmm. I want you to go through a case study with them. Now you're actually getting deeper from both sides of ensuring mutual fit and understanding what are actual 
you know, Excel skill. I'm picking at this as an yeah, example, right? Good. But it's a, it's a most common thing where I remember when I first started um, to as a recruiter, uh, you know, Excel was like a major thing that everyone was looking for, right? And I'm like, great. So, you know, uh, I would ask candidates, what are your Excel skills? They're like, great. They're good. They're great. I'm like, great. Okay, you're Let's move yeah. forward. Right. Yeah. But like we never actually like talked about what does that actually mean? Is it is great? Does it great mean like data entry? Does great mean, you know, doing pivot tables, VLOOKUPs? Does great mean doing like, you know, like uh, macros and so forth? Like what does great actually mean from both sides mm-hmm. in order to ensure mutual fit? So th- so being thoughtful about the initial interview matrix and having specific uh, interview questions uh, that that's going to uh, be really helpful to ensure uh, the right candidate for the right job at the right time. Yeah, it's such a good point. And I think those are such great examples. So, you know, I I, I know the next question I have for you, just, <laughs> I know it's probably a hard one to answer and, and the, the answer may vary a little bit, but whose job should that be between, especially in a small business environment, when you have maybe a solo HR person who's wearing all these HR hats, one of them being recruiting, and then you have a hiring manager, whose job is it to really make sure that the enough time is spent on that job description and on that hiring matrix and the right people asking the right questions in the interview process? I mean, the short answer and the obvious answer is probably both, but mm-hmm. but, but what does that look like? What What would you say to that? Right. So look, at the end of the day, uh, the recruiter is not hiring the person, the manager is hiring the person, right? Mm-hmm. So the, the manager is the one who has to, you know, work with them day to day, who has to manage their, their success, who would need to offboard them if they're not meeting expectations. So, uh, you know, the accountability really lies on the manager. However, uh, we do have this amazing opportunity as talent professionals to not be just paper pushers, right? Like not just to say like resume here, let me push this over to you. And now we're actually trying to become partners to the manager, right? So what does the partnership actually mean? Well, what that means is doing an official recruiting intake, right? Like if I ask a manager right now, um, send me a job description, they will send the most vague job description (laughs) that they have, like, because it works for them. Like to them, it's like a second nature. Like, what do you mean? I'm asking for Excel skills. Like mm-hmm. as an accountant, like you should know what that means. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. But like, to me, that means nothing. So as a yeah. partner to you in order to do initial screenings, in order to help with, with any of the initial conversations, you we need to align on what does that actually mean? And where mm-hmm. are you willing to, uh, to bend? For example, you know, like, let's say if we are getting someone who's like a stretch assignment candidate, this is going to be their next step in their career. That's great because they likely would stay longer, but what's the cost? The manager would need to provide the training and the tools for them to succeed and be patient as they learn, right? So does the manager have that time to spend? If not, then we have to get like a plug and play role player who has that skills, but what's the cost there? They may not stay as long. They may get bored. They they may need another challenge, right? So as a talent professionals, we really need to to kind of partner with the managers to like level set the expectations. Um, And and when I say level set expectations, I mean about everything, right? I think Mm -hmm. that every manager, if I ask right now, they're 
like, we can hire this person tomorrow. I'm like, okay, well, let's really look at the landscape of like what, what is actually available. Like let's do a quick LinkedIn search, right? You're, you're asking for these 10 must have skills. Let's plug them in and see what happens. And all of a sudden two candidates come out. Right. And Mm -hmm. you're like, oh, okay. (laughs) You know, like what kind of recruiting efforts would we need to take? What kind of compensation expectations do we need to to set and so forth? So we, we have this opportunity to really partner. Um, and, and, and frankly, while the accountability uh, lies with the manager, I think the job falls on the talent and the HR professional to, to be there for them as that like side of the brain to, to kind of ask those questions and so forth. Yeah, I love the focus there on on the partnership, right? The the HR talent professional brings hopefully, you know, that structure in place of what the hiring process should look like to really coach then the hiring manager on how to apply and use that structure to find the right candidate. They're hopefully helping them push the, the talent professionals helping push the hiring manager even further on the job description and what's most important in terms of skill sets or anything else. And what are the things that, like you mentioned, they're willing to give up if push comes to shove, right? And so I, I love that idea of partnership. And you can see where the talent professional can play a big role and even elevate their role from, like you said, being just paper pushers, right. To being a true partner when they can bring that process and educate the hiring manager on how to apply that process. Right. Awesome. So good. So tell me a little bit more about in your book, let's get a little bit more, let's dive a little bit deeper there. Um, I know one part you talk about working smarter, not harder in the hiring process. And I'm wondering if you can share a couple of examples of what might that look like? Sure. So one is create that project plan or do doing the recruiting intake. I, I spend a lot of time talking about it, but again, I think like the smarter, not harder, it really comes to in the beginning part. And I would say in my book, I spent two chapters talking about it out of 10. So, mm-hmm. so that, that really should kind of speak volumes as to how much that will really help. Uh, but beyond that, I think, uh, you know, uh, in terms of like scheduling time to do hiring practices, a lot of times when I, when I, talk to managers, when do they actually, you know, look at resumes? When do they actually send out communication? They usually say, well, between meetings on my commute, like things like that. Right. So, so you're essentially like doing like multitasking and you're essentially like, you know, spending two minutes really of like, you know, of that time, which is not, not a great time. So a much better time is to like actually put it on your calendar. Like let's say 30 minutes at the end of the day to look at the applicants that, that come in at the end of the day. And there's this saying, like, if it's not on your calendar, it won't happen. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, like two weeks later, you, you realize like, oh, my gosh, I, could, I should be looking at those applicants and they're no longer available. Right. Mm-hmm. So so set that time, um, you know, 30 minutes at the end of the day. Um, another thing is, I would say organization. Um, you know, a lot of times, you know, we kind of think about, oh, I, I'll remember that person. I'll remember that person. And and then you, you know, th- this has happened to me where I'm like two, you know, I hear later, I'm like, I remember that person. I rem- I can see their, their background. Mm-hmm. I can, I remember like everything about their kids, but I can't look them up in my mm-hmm. emails unless I actually remember them 
their name, right? Yeah. So a simple organization tool, like just even having like an Excel sheet, right? With the name and the contact and like notes, it will it will go a long way of like just working smarter and not harder. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, I would say streamlined communication. I think this is something that uh, that has come up quite a bit uh, from, from what I heard from entrepreneurs who have to do the hiring themselves, but they're like, I just don't have time to like go back and forth, right? So just write out those communication upfront And what I used to do is save it as like an alternative signature in your email. And so that way, when you're saying like, I'm inviting you to, to interview with me, you're not typing it from, from scratch, like, hello, thank you for, for, uh, for applying, but you're just, just hitting one button and just updating the times. Smart. I love it. Those are some excellent tips. You know, I'm curious if you can share with us too, just because I know you have this wealth of experience in the hiring process and working with so many different entrepreneurs and small businesses. What are some of like the absolute best practices that you've seen when it comes to hiring that, that most companies don't do very often or don't do very well? Well, I'm going to put in the recruiting intake in there one more time, <laughs> but I'll actually give you a story at the end about that. And I just really, truly think most companies don't put enough emphasis up front and mm-hmm. it really goes a long way. Um, and I'll tell you a story about how I saw that in fruition in a moment. But I would say the other thing is ensuring mutual fit. A lot of times companies just spend, you know, if you, if you spend, if you book 30 minute interview with a candidate, most of the time, the interviewer spends. 25 minutes asking questions of the candidate and like, do you have any questions for me? I have five minutes, go, right? So they they just don't take a a good enough time to ensure a mutual fit. And that could come in a variety of different ways, right? Like one, I would say, you know, be open about your own communication and working styles. And that would invite the, the candidate to talk about their styles as well. Sometimes I've seen some companies use, and I have used different psychometrics tools like predictive index and and Mm -hmm. disc and Myers-Briggs and so forth, but you don't need to, you can just be very forthcoming about what you've noticed about what works for you, what doesn't work for you. Mm -hmm. Um, I also would say peer interviews are not a very frequent, which really goes a long way because an Mm -hmm. accountant at one company could be very different. What an accountant is at another company, what tools they use, the expectations and so forth. Right. Um, uh, and then I would say, so I had mentioned about how, uh, you know, we don't do enough time about mutual, ensuring mutual fit. One of the opportunities that you can do if you find like, look, like I, I do need 25 minutes out of 30 minutes to to interview the candidates. Great. So maybe do offer an optional reverse interview where you ask the hmm. candidate like, hey, can you know, do you have all the information that you need? Can yeah. we offer any of those information for you? Um, and then I would say the last one is, uh, again, for ensuring mutual fit is offering maybe two interviews with a manager, right? So one in the beginning to make sure the manager has 25 minutes to ask questions. But then at the end, before you're extending an offer, just have one more conversation where the candidate has the opportunity to ask as many questions as possible. And that could include even reference checks. I had one, mm-hmm. uh, actually our general counsel, uh, when he was hiring someone, he offered uh, the person to to do reference checks on him 
<laughs> so he's like, Hey, if you're curious about how other people have liked to, you know, liked yeah. or disliked the, the good, bad, and the ugly of, of working for me, here's a list of people who used to report to me, reach out to them on LinkedIn. Here's our phone numbers, reach out to them. They're open to talking. Right. Awesome. So again, that mutual fit, but I, I did promise to tell you that story where yeah. that recruiting intake really came to, to place. So I was recently working with a CEO entrepreneur and she was hiring for kind of her, her big first major hire. Right. So she's had like part-time employees and mm -hmm. so forth, but this was her like first big hire. And so, you know, in partnering with me, you know, the first thing I did, we, we did a recruiting intake and then, you know, I sent her a job description format where some of those, you know, key points that we uh, talk through in the intake, how does that information go into the job description? So you don't have to go out and like borrow someone else's job yeah. description. Right. So we created this job description and then we posted the job description online. The next day we had a hundred applicants <laughs> and for reference, she previously tried to cut corners and do some of those things of like just posting, you know, very standard vague job description. And she would get like two to three applicants. Right. So she's <laughs> like, oh my gosh, like these results are intense. So, and then what, what we then uh, looked at when we started to interview candidates, almost every single person came back to say that they specifically apply to the job because of how uh, detailed and how thoughtful mm. the job description was, even at times where they weren't specifically inter interested in the company or the industry. I shouldn't say company, I would say industry, yeah. but they found something that they were passionate about in terms of the company uh, because of other things that that she had written about like the values, the mission, the vision, like what the culture is looks like and so hmm. forth directly in the job description. So they didn't have to go to like Glassdoor and like LinkedIn, try to figure out their own, uh, uh, try, try to paint their own picture. They were mm -hmm. able to see it right there. So she, she, she was a, a big believer. And now like fast forward several weeks after she made that hire, both the CEO and the new hire couldn't be happier. They're like, everything was so uh, transparent. Everything was very clear. I made the right decision and I would make the same decision again. I love it. It's such a great story to illustrate that point. I mean, going back to some of the things you've talked about is you got to slow down in the beginning, make sure you get the process right. And I, and I really love that. Make sure that you're prepared before you really just throw any sort of hack together job description out there, right? Make sure that you have that process down and make sure you know why you're doing it. And that intake is solid. The other thing I really liked about what you said is really that focus on mutual fit. You know, that's one of the things going back to what we talked about at the beginning that I've seen change, especially over the last few years, where in the past, it used to be that uh, people, I mean, years and years ago, our, our parents and grandparents were get a job and work at the same company until you retire. Right. And that obviously has changed, right. Especially we've seen that with people moving jobs so much and trying to find something that they don't have in their current job. And so it's so important to give the candidate an opportunity to interview you just as much as, you know, you're interviewing them. So I love that you pointed that piece out too. So, wow, Tatiana, this has been just a jam packed last few minutes with so many great tips. I think we could probably keep going forever, but I don't want to spoil it for those who haven't read the book yet. So anyone out there who's listening, please go, go get the book again. It's called hire to win manager's practical guide to attracting and interviewing top talent. And you can tell from the, if you listen to the last few minutes of this episode, there's a lot of really great tips 
tips that Tatiana has that I'm sure that she shares in that book. So thank you for being on the show today and sharing some of these tips. As we get ready to kind of wrap up here, one of the last questions I really like to ask, you know, everyone that's not necessarily related to our topic is it's really just about what's one thing, one tip that you would have that our listeners should go and do this week to help improve their HR or people functions. Yeah, so I would say take a look at all of your HR or talent processes that you currently have, like hiring or interviewing candidates and reflect uh, and reflect of what's working, what's not working, right? So you could potentially use the start, stop, continue, change model. Mm-hmm. Um, and what where that manifested for me is we used to bring on uh, new hires and we used to do like, you know, happy hour to make an introduction with their team. Well, a happy hour online does not, <laughs> you know, provide the, the uh, results that we were looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, and we continue to do it for, for, for quite some time uh, until we actually pause and reflected, like, why are we actually doing this? What is the actual reason for doing that? Right. Yeah. So I would just urge everyone to just like make a list of all your HR talent practices and say, like, what is working really well for us? What is not working so much? What can we change? Like, and it could be very small changes that you need to do. Awesome tip. Love it. Thank you so much again for being on the show and sharing, you know, your insights with us. Um, if there are listeners that want to get in contact with you or have follow-up questions on the topic, what's the best way for them to do that? You can email me at Tatiana at howtowintalent.com. You can uh, connect with me on LinkedIn, Tatiana Cure, and you can grab my book on Amazon. It's available on paperback, Kindle, and audiobook as well. Well, thank you so much. We will drop links to all of those things in the show notes. So you don't have to worry about writing all that down. If you're listening, go and find the show notes and and reach out to Tatiana. So thank you again for being on the show. Hope you have a great rest of the day. Today, enduring companies know that their people are their most important assets and they invest in helping them excel. But often small businesses with limited HR resources struggle to manage their people, payroll, and processes efficiently and create an environment where frontline, deskless employees thrive. That's why we created Eddy. Eddy is the all-in-one HR suite built for local businesses that streamlines tedious HR processes and improves the employee experience for frontline workers. With Eddy, you can hire, manage, pay, and engage employees with one easy-to-use software. No headache required. You've already done the hard part by creating a great business. Now let us help you take it to the next level. Visit eddy.com today to request a demo.